Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And well, this episode was fun. I had the pleasure of inviting Sam Long, who's my neighbor, about 400 meters down the road, to come and sit here in my studio. And we dissected his career, his life, his recent performances, the fact that he's now ranked number four in the world on the professional triathlete organization rankings, going into Collins Cup, the 70.3 world champs and Kona world champs, what his headset's like, what his mind's like. He's just absolutely extraordinary. We share some laughs in this one. It was a very relaxed interview that I think we're going to have plenty more. We both enjoyed each other's company tremendously. Um, Just an incredibly mature head on a a 25-year-old young uh, professional athlete that's coming to terms with his new kind of status within the sport. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Just absolutely fantastic. But before we go on, Thank you so much for sharing the show and also your feedback. I do appreciate that. I do read it and uh, it really does help me out. Um, If you are enjoying it, I really appreciate if you can share it on your social platforms and just get the word out there. That is really helping. The show is growing. And thanks to you for sharing. I I truly appreciate it. Um, If you want to support the show, you can support the show's uh, partners, Athletic Greens, Athletic Brewing. Uh, they've just come on board. Fantastic uh, non-alcoholic beer company, just brilliant product. Uh, Hyperice have been with me for so long and just a great product. And of course, Form Swim Goggles, just don't go swimming without them. All great brands, great companies, go check them out. Uh, I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Just absolutely remarkable. And remember, success comes to those who enjoy just one moment longer. A quick mention of the show's partners. These are all great companies and products that I use daily. If you want to support the show, you'd be doing me a massive favor by supporting these brands. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. Anyone will tell you that I'm someone who loves to have a beer, and there's always a beer in the fridge for me and or guests that pop in. But with kids, my work, and just my overall health, I I, I can't and I don't drink often. I can't afford to not be on my game, and, and I simply don't like the foggy feeling I get by drinking alcohol. So I've tried non-alcoholic beers, but I guess I'm a bit of a beer snob because none of them have measured up to a real craft beer experience that I like. But now with Athletic Brewing, I can have a high quality, just flavorful and award-winning craft beer, and it's only 50 to 70 calories per can. And these beers just, they fit into any occasion. So I don't have to compromise on my social life or choose between having a great beer and, and just keeping my clarity. So go ahead and check them out at athleticbrewing.com. That's athleticbrewing.com. Or you can find them at your local liquor store or bottle shop. Um, I'll let you know, I'll be having one every single episode I record. They're they're that good. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice. Hyperice is my go-to solution for recovery and restoration. The handheld percussion therapy devices, the Normatec boots and the vibrating rollers all release your deepest muscle tension and just aid your recovery. I own the Hypervolt Plus, I own the Hypervolt Go, the Normatec boots, and the vibrating rollers. And both my wife, Laura, and I use them every day before and after workouts and before bed. They're all just so easy to use at home. They're they're quiet, easy to charge, and have ready at any time. I encourage you to look after your body. Honestly, it's the only thing you get to keep for all of your life. All these Hyperize products are just simply brilliant. Get 10% off all high-priced products using the exclusive Greg Bennett Show code GREG21 at checkout. Go to hyperice.com, that's hyperice.com, H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-E.com, and use code GREG21 
at checkout. This episode is brought to you by my longtime partner and amazing company and brilliant product, Athletic Greens. I'm using Athletic Greens every day. Great taste, so quick and ready to go. Athletic Greens is a delicious blend of 75 superfoods and vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and a greens blend and more to support gut health, energy, and immunity and stress. I've also been doubling down on Athletic Greens Vitamin D, a huge portion of the population of Vitamin D deficient, myself included. And right now, Athletic Greens will give you a year's supply of Vitamin D for free and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Do yourself a favor and sign up. It makes a great gift for a family member or a friend. So sign up now and get a free year of supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. This episode is brought to you by Form. In my opinion, Form Smart Swim Goggles are the biggest thing to hit the swimming world. With Form Smart Swim Goggles, you can see all your key metrics while you're swimming, distance, your pace, stroke rate, and heart rate. The swim data is displayed on the goggle lens, and you can customize the display to see the key metrics that you want to see. I couldn't believe it when I first tried them. They fit like normal, comfortable goggles, and the display is there, but it's not in the way. I consciously look at the lens to see my stroke rate and my pace and my heart rate and distance. If you're a pool swimmer or an open water swimmer, I encourage you to check these goggles out. Please go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. Again, that is formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off the Form Smart Swim goggles at checkout or use code Greg2021 at checkout. All right. Well, today's guest is spearheading the next generation of young, brash superstar long course triathletes. He races without fear and he trains with just pure passion and love for the sport. His recent Ironman and Ironman 70.3 wins have just thrown him into the spotlight in the world of triathlon. Currently ranked fourth in the world on the professional triathlete organization. Unbelievable. His momentum is building and one can sense that there's greater things on the horizon for this man. He's one of the great personalities of the sport and it's just an enormous privilege to just have him on the show. So welcome to my studio and thanks for joining the Greg Bennett Show, Mr. Sam Long. How are you, mate? I'm amazing. It's, it's so great to be here, Greg. I have to say I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of your podcast and it's so obvious the effort you put into it and wanting to have the top tr- podcast in triathlon and truthfully, I think that's exactly what you have. I listen to almost all the episodes. The information is great and... Um, I told you the other day, I, I don't think I could have made it in the sport until I'm on your podcast. And so it's, it's just truly an honor to me. Well, that, that's flattery goes a long way in my world. So thanks, mate. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a work in progress. But honestly, I've, I've watched you for several years now. And it's just been what I've loved is just this relentless pursuit of trying to be better. And you and I first communicated, what, probably about four or five months ago. And you reached out and just said, Greg, any chance we could sit on your deck and, and talk swimming? And what I loved about that is you're doing everything you can to try and figure out how to become better. And it doesn't matter if you're outsourcing to me, an old time triathlete or whatever, you're trying to outsource and, and just find the answers to become better. And I love that. Is that something you, you know, you, you're consciously doing all over the place, just outsourcing and trying to figure out how to become the best? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, a big thing I always tell myself, which might come as a surprise to the listeners, is is check the pride at the door and mm. uh, don't be afraid to admit that you don't know something and and that you can always learn more from from the greats of the sport. And 
So yeah, I'm outsourcing with coaching and nutrition and and leaning on sponsors and and leaning on guys like you who have a wealth of experience, especially in the swim. And the swim's been tricky because, as you probably know, there's there's eight million people that want to give me advice, and uh, seven million nine hundred ninety nine thousand of those people give wrong advice or just advice that, I mean, they might be a one forty per hundred yard swimmer, and and they're messaging me, oh hey, you suck at swimming. I have all the all the tips to improve your swim and. Um, I mean, I'm swimming 115 per 100, 100 yards, um, which isn't a terrible pace, but it's it's better still than most of the population can do. Mm-hmm. No, well, you, mate, you're showing that. I mean, you, you're swimming like still outstanding in terms of swimming, in terms of trying to be the best triathlete in the world, which I'm sure I don't want to speak for you, but is I'm sure your goal. <laughs> and, and it's kind of like that is the one area that you can find a few minutes in. And for me, if I'm a 25-year-old, making his way in the world of triathlon, it's exciting to know how much improvement you do have there and you will find it. I have no doubt in my mind. So me, that must be exciting for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just exhilarating to know that I'm, I'm ranked fourth in the world and I still view myself as a developmental athlete. I still see so many gains and, and with my coach, Ryan Bolton, we still see so many gains and people might think even on the bike, oh, I've, I've reached my max potential. I still see a lot of progress to be made on the bike. And, um, it's just that progress that excites me. But most of all, I mean, if I could swim three minutes faster in a 70.3, it would be, it would be game changing. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> That's phenomenal. I, I mean, I, I had your coach Ryan Bolton on the show probably well, six months ago and, and he just, uh, he spoke about you with just such high regard. Like he's, the, the kind of training you guys are doing really resonated with me. We, we really enjoyed that chat because you're doing such consistent, solid work every day. And it's the old Arthur Lydiard mile model of, uh, of training, which I've always loved where you easy doesn't mean slow. You know, you're still, exactly. you're getting some good miles in Heather Jackson's another one with that kind of a mindset and, and um, Ben Hoffman and all of you guys with that easy doesn't mean slow. It just means easier. You can still be moving fairly fast. They're not one in the same, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I guess it's a slightly less periodized approach than you see a lot of athletes do now, right? Mm. Where their easy miles might be eight or eight thirty miles, say running and and their fast miles are five thirty. And for us, we still do those fast miles, but the easy miles are more like seven thirty or seven minute pace, mm-hmm. which yeah, it's just about building that engine and, and it's been working with Ryan. Yeah, it was funny. I remember running up on one of the trails here and this is, and I hate to bring the show back to myself, but it's, it's talking about what, we're, what we are. And my easy pace would get down when I got really fit. It was down around that six minute mile pace, you know, and it's just easy. It wasn't hard. Didn't mean slow, right? I mean, six exactly. minutes is moving. Yeah. But I remember having one of my peers, uh, Craig Walton, who was probably one of the greatest swim bikers I think I've, I ever went up against, Australian guy, and he was living here in Boulder with us and, and he said, Greg, were you doing speed work yesterday? When I saw you run past my house, I was like, and I was like, oh God, it felt so good because I'm actually, no, I was doing my easy run. And it wasn't to be cocky. It was like, no, that's just how fast you can start to go if you do the right training. Um, so it's incredible stuff, mate. But I want to move on because firstly, did you walk or drive up to my house today? I knew you were going to ask me that. And I thought, oh, he's going to ask me that. And to be a good athlete, I should walk up to the house. But then no. I still drove. <laughs> Mate, I don't know what the temperature is out today, but it feels like it's about 100 degrees here in Boulder, which is, what is that, in, in about 40 degrees Celsius. And uh, I'm glad you didn't drive up. So 
listeners, uh, Sam actually lives about 400 metres away from where we are down, down the road. Would you call it 400? You run that, probably that a lot. Yeah, it's pretty much exactly 400. <laughs> 400, maybe 450 metres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we walk past your house nearly every evening after dinner. Um, we, we used to do the trails, but we're a little bit doing, not going on them at the moment after a rattlesnake bite in our family. But um, we, we go down past your house, we loop around. I'm always looking in the windows to see if you're there. Yeah. <laughs> now I'll be looking in through your windows to see if you're here. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. What, what training did you get up to this morning? Yeah, so today was Mondays are always my my easier day, which, mm. um, as we'll find with Ryan, is never, like we just said, <laughs> super easy. It, it was a right up to Jamestown, which is 30 miles. Mm-hmm. took me like an hour 30, 200 watts or so, and then just did a four-mile run on the trails right by the house. So I technically already have ran up to your house today. <laughs> I like that. I love, I love the – it's like the more I remove myself from racing, just how – it's, it's mind-boggling when an easy day is a 30-mile ride, but you got to remember up to Jamestown, for people who don't know, in Colorado there's a great ride up to a little town called Jamestown. And it, what is that, about an eight-mile climb in it? Yeah, it's pretty much eight 13 miles. kilometres, eight, eight miles, and a great, beautiful ride. But that's I love when that's your easy day and then another four-mile run, which is 6.4K, you know, just on your recovery days. It's exactly. Just, and the best know. part is Greg offered me a beer here when I came in, but I still have to swim. And... I said, oh, a beer would have been pretty nice, but I don't think I should have a beer before I, I swim. I do have some athletic brewing beer up here, which is non-alcoholic. If you ever want to try a nice beer, it's the beer you have when you're not having a beer. If you ever want to try that, you should. Yeah, those are terrific, actually. Yeah, well, we, would you like me to run up and get you one? We could have an, sure, a, let's a hazy IPA. All right, give me one sec. Sam, I want you to carry on while I go, go and get this one by telling us about, the, starting with the last few months, it's really been outstanding and I want you to take you through firstly, and you're talking to the listener right now because I'm going to run up and grab us a couple of athletic brewing, non-alcoholic beers. Um, but I want you to tell us about that race in St. George because I think that – I know you've won races in the past, but that race was something special. So tell us about that. I'm going to bolt and come straight back. Okay, perfect. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So St. George – Obviously, I was second. It's gone down as one of the big battles in triathlon. I was second behind Lionel Sanders, a longtime idol, and now now a big big rival of mine. And what's unfortunate is with my age, actually, at the time, shortly after, I got second, and I thought, oh, I didn't win this race, and I was hard on myself, and I didn't win this race, and therefore this race wasn't an accomplishment. And it was only after I sat down and had some time to process that I realized that that was the greatest race I've had so far in my career being able to go head to head with one of the true idols of the sport with someone I've looked up to and with someone who's, who's won that race so many times and to earn the respect of not only Lionel Sanders, but also sort of the upper echelon of the pros. And, and ultimately what that race realized is that, yeah, I guess it told me, Oh, I have what it takes to be at the top, but it also made me realize like I can beat Lionel Mm. and I can be better than that. And that I shouldn't settle for just a performance like St. George and that what can I do to be be above that and be beyond that. And so I think it completely shifted my perspective and allowed me to reach a new level of performance going forward. It's incredible, isn't it, when you get that that little, I don't know, you want to pat on the back or that, that little bit of an oomph that just says, whoa, I do belong here. I, 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 I am. It's okay to dream big. You know, you get that little bit of, it's okay. I, I actually think that the world is possible for me here. 
I yeah, mean, exactly. Absolutely. It's like until that moment, it's like, oh, you maybe have dreams of winning Kona or I have dreams of mm. winning Kona, but it's like, it's exactly that. It's it's a dream. And it's, it's one of those things where I wake up and I'm afraid to tell anyone, you know, and now, now I'm not afraid to tell people because, because it feels tangible and it feels realistic and, and maybe not this year, but it feels realistic by the time I retire. Mm. For anybody that didn't see some of your YouTube footage or Lionel's footage of the end of that race. It was really quite an outstanding, it was one of the great, I really enjoyed watching the end of that. Um, the two of you just neck and neck, head to head, you ran up back up onto his shoulder. And, and I was like watching going, just go, like don't go onto his shoulder, go with everything you have. I was like almost screaming like, go, go, go. Did that come across or were you trying to do that or was it just get to his shoulder? Was that the goal? Yeah, to be honest, I probably did the exact opposite. I probably had three situations I could have done and I chose the worst possible situation for winning the race. I either, like you said, I should have just surged right past him while I had the momentum and and that potentially would have broken him there. Although it's it's Lionel, I don't think it would have. No, he's a tough man, yeah. He's a tough man. Or mm. the second better option might have been to run up right behind him mm. and sort of wait and then make a push. But instead I ran right up to his shoulder <laughs> yeah. and sort of said like, let's go mano y mano here and let's just see like, you know, who's better at the end and yeah. and let's throw strategy out the window, let's throw tactics out the window, let's just see who's who's the stronger person. And I don't regret doing that. I'm no. glad I did it no. because it, it made it so awesome. And it was just this this battle of wills and in, in running next to him as opposed to I mean, if I had sat on him and maybe waited to kick, I could have watched him and seen his body language and and seen as he was accelerating and and maybe I would have won the race. I mean, maybe, but uh I lost the race in the best possible way. No, you you gave us, it was a tremendous show from both of you. It was an outstanding show. And for someone like myself that now sits on the sideline and just loves to be entertained, I got my value for money on that race. And I, I... and, and like you said, maybe if you'd sat behind him, it wouldn't have been quite as good a show. Maybe if you'd surged right away from him, it would have been like, oh, Sam just ran straight past him. It wasn't that exciting. It was actually kind of that, that head-to-head um, is, is really quite special. Do you think you – do you have a sprint finish? Is, is that something you're going to work on in the future here? Oh, God, Greg. Come on. <laughs> here, let's crack open a beer let's while we do this open. My sprint finishes need some some big work. I'll be honest, because um, of course at Texas three weeks before that, yeah. I got out sprinted by Ben Canute. Right. Well, Ben has seconds. a Ben has a powerful sprint. I've seen him with Terenzo Bazone um, at the Island. Like Ben's, he's got a real kick on him. Yeah, he, he has an amazing kick, and he came past me, and it was like four turns in the final four hundred meters, and he's a smaller guy than me, and. I tried and so I lost that sprint and then I got out sprinted by Lionel and then uh, three weeks, five weeks after that, Tulsa, even though I was having a terrible race, Chris Lieferman out sprinted me and beat me by two seconds at the finish line. Oh, jeez. I'm just going, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever won a sprint finish. So. Well, you're going to have to just sprint from further out. Your sprint might be more like the two mile mark to go all out effort. You know, how fast can I run? I mean, it was funny. I I had an okay finish, not, nothing like a Simon Whitfield, Bevan Doherty, Jan Fadino. These guys all had next level. But I remember outrunning Bevan Doherty once at the Dallas race, which was a big money race at the time. And, um, and I crossed the line and I'm like, I beat you in the sprint. He said, Greg, you went with 1K to go. That's not a sprint. I'm like, in my mind, that was a sprint because I had to go from that far out to have any chance. So maybe that's something you got to have in your back pocket. <laughs> like, exactly. I, we shouldn't be telling everybody right now yeah. on you. <laughs> you can't call it my strategy, but I mean, it's no secret with my coach, with how I'm coached and yeah. how I train. At this moment in my my career, I don't really focus on on the sprint 
finish. I, sp- I focus more on just how can I have the biggest engine possible. And yep. yeah, I just find a sprint finish probably with a mile to go. Yes, what yes. can I do in the final mile? And hopefully in a 70.3, if if I at St. George say this year, it's slightly downhill. If I could run 440 that last mile, mm-hmm. I, I would call that a sprint for me. Well, that's it. We, I mean, St. George is the world championships. I mean, that's on your radar now is that i mean you've got we're we're doing this about 10 days out from collins cup it'll it'll air actually about five days before the collins cup so i do want to talk about that in in a moment but um 70.3 worlds st george you have good feelings for, for a race for a course and i think that's always a nice thing to have going into a race like you have this i perform well on this kind of a, a course i mean is that the all-in button for you 70.3 worlds yeah, I've decided for this year that's my A goal of the year. Mm-hmm. It's my A race of the year, and that was not an easy decision with Kona. Mm. Um, you know, Kona's got all this sparkle and glamour, and and it's a great race. But at 25, I decided to focus on mm-hmm. 70.3 Worlds. Again, I know the course. I love the course. I have great vibes at that race. After after the race in May with Lionel, I just I just said let's go in for 70.3 worlds this year. Yeah. Let's see what I can do. I actually, two years ago, I thought I was too slow to even race 70.3. So all I ever did was Ironmans and it's been an amazing process to find out, whoa, I can actually, I can actually go fast at the shorter distances. And so I'm really excited for it. And I think it'll only make me better at Kona mm-hmm. in the future. And that's, it's thinking more long-term rather than short-term. I mean, sure, it'd be fun to put all my eggs in Kona this year. and But you're put, doing Kona, right? I'll this still, year too. I'll yeah, still yeah, do Kona, yeah, of yeah, course. But yeah. yes, it's more just my training now, the last five, four weeks has been more 70.3 focused. Yeah. And it's going to continue to be that way. Yeah, I still train high volume, so I'm still at 30 to 32 hours a week training for 70.3. So it's I'll still be ready for for Kona. But um, yeah, I just can't wait for St. George and they modified the run course even, and it suits me. It suits me even more. It's now two laps. Oh. It's so uh, a key component there is you have to run down that steep downhill twice. Oh, uh, you like the downhill running? Well, I love the downhill running. Yes. Yeah, you're a man that, of my own heart. Yeah, yeah. I particularly love it because then you have to run back uphill. Oh, so you like any time. hills up and any down? Any hills. Yeah. I'm just I'm the man of the hills. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, how can I not be? I grew up around here. Yeah. I run Magnolia all the time. That's actually been my key key thing is running magnolia mm-hmm. and running the hogback trails mm-hmm. around here and so i know a key part of that race is people will run that first downhill well and then their quads are going to just give out on that uphill and so yeah i've just been envisioning that non-stop and and then of course the finish is now on a steep downhill there's no that slight grade yeah and i know so, the slight grade back um, into town there yeah i think if i had the same situation on that downhill on that steep downhill finish, I would I would have got Lionel. So. Oh, mate. Well, well, I think uh, what what's interesting about all the timing of all this too, though, is you you uh, raced seventy point three world seventy point three in St George, excuse me. Um, then you let's see. Then it was only a few weeks later, and you were doing Ironman Quarter Lane, where you absolutely annihilated that course. Uh, one of the greatest performances we've seen, definitely in in the US, probably, on, you know, do you think that having that sort of 70.3 really triggered you for that performance in Coeur Lane where you broke the course record, you went an 8.07? I mean, maybe with 70.3 worlds that three weeks before Kona, it actually is a nice little press, you know, um, exactly without putting right. more on your no, pa- no, It's exactly right. It's exactly right. And so 
to be honest, I kind of just told the world, oh, 70.3 worlds is my focus to, mm. to take pressure off myself for one at Kona because you rarely see people go well there their first year if they put too much yeah. pressure on themselves. And so it served that function of it's taking pressure off myself. But with the data I have, I actually know that it's setting me up better mm. for Kona because mm. I build up that speed. I'm still training 30 to 32 hours a week. And then I just get a few weeks and I just kick in that diesel engine. And then it's kind of like I have everything. I have the speed, I have the diesel, and it makes it this complete athlete for a short window of time. And so, yeah, I'm experimenting with what's what's worked in the past and with the data I have. It's incredible, mate. And uh, on that, I mean, we're kind of summarizing just your last few months because it has been an incredible last few months. And your most recent event, the Boulder 70.3, hometown boy, hometown race, smash another course record. I mean, I've done that race and I know the, the, the course adjusts a little bit, but still a 337 for a 70.3 at altitude, dry, hot. It was smoky as hell. We, we had all smoky. that smoke. Couldn't we even breathe. Couldn't we couldn't, the, the air quality index, the AQ, I didn't even know what that was before that past weekend because the air quality here in Colorado was so bad. Um, like seriously, we were outside just walking around going, <laughs> and you guys were racing in it. I mean, it, that performance, all-time best. I mean, remarkable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, truthfully, truthfully, it was better than my St. George performance. My mm -hmm. my power on the bike was higher, which at altitude. At altitude, it was <laughs> higher, and and it's flat. So my normalized power was even higher, which is really saying something uh -huh. because St. George has a way of your normalized power gets quite high, and your yeah. average power is somewhat low. And my average and normalized power were higher here at Boulder at altitude on flats where I'm in the TT position the whole time. And then a 112 on the dirt of alt altitude and smoke. I mean, and it's not, that's a, a kind of a, it's not, and the dirt around the res there, it's kind of graded quite often. It's not easy running, is it? I mean, yeah, if you look at this course on paper, especially the run, you say, oh, that, that run course is going to be blazing fast under 109s, no problem. And it's every it, year I do it, it's my slowest run of the year. It's um, hilly, hot altitude. The footing is hard, big rocks and, and, and graded, that graded type stuff that you got to try and find your fitting and everything. It's not easy. Yeah, four. I think there's at four U-turns yeah. over the yeah, course yeah. of it. So it, it really adds up. And I mean, to go 337 and I, I mean, I had a terrible swim. I swam like 28 minutes and 30 seconds, which is just, it's so bad. I don't even know what to think about it. Um, yeah. I just had a... I don't even know. I just had a terrible swim. And so to then be able to pull it back together after a 154 bike, was it 154 bike? So yep. what, uh, getting a bit, you know, geeky here, what, what, what was your kind of watts per kilo for the, that whole 90 kilometers? Yeah. So watts per kilo would be right about four and a half. Nice. Okay. So it's fairly consistent. I mean, that's still at four and a half watts per kilogram. Mate, that, what did you go out in? Were you the first 10K, was it like five watts per kilogram? I actually, you must... paced it, I actually paced it quite even. Did you really? Yeah. Um, I, knew, I knew they would try and stay ahead of me. The other guys would mm. try and stay ahead of me at the start. And, but I knew if I, was, if I was pacing it that I would still sort of catch them. And then that once I caught them, they would be tired and that I would just maintain the pace. And so, yeah, I mean, the power was, the normalized power was 346 for the whole bike. Wow. Um, and it, and it, it's a course that suits a bigger guy. And yeah. so- the smaller guys like Sam Appleton out front had a little bit of a disadvantage. They, he might've been a little bit. Oh, he's an outstanding course, athlete. But outstanding, Sam. outstanding he, he, athlete. He's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and he biked 158, which is still brilliant on this Made course. Anything for anything under two hours, anything and, and a little less at altitude and all of that. But I just, it's incredible. I'm glad I had my career when I did because you guys are really changing the game. It's, it's really quite something and it's special to watch. All right. So 
you cross the line in Boulder, family, friends, you know, was was that a really special moment in your career to date? Yeah, it was awesome. Just uh, just finishing that one was really special. It was a huge goal always to win this race. And yeah, I mean, to be honest, actually at that race, it was it was cool to win this race in another reason because leading into that race, I actually had a pretty rough week in terms of stress and just life stress. And I just had so much going on and mm. my mind actually wasn't quite in the right place like it normally is for a race. And I remember running and, and thinking like, God, can this race just never end? Because like, it's calm out here. It's calm winning this race and it's calm like just being in the hurt box and I'm gonna finish this thing. And then it's like, I'm gonna have to talk with sponsors and fans and and then all my stress of life is gonna come back. And I just, I didn't want it to end. Hmm. It, it was just this weird feeling. And then of course it felt great to cross the finish line, but it, it was one of these moments where normally we're stressed or I'm stressed to race and I'm anxious to, to race. And I worry, oh, what's gonna happen? But this time, I knew I was prepared. I knew I'd done the work. I knew I was ready. And it was like, I want a race to escape the rest of my life. Oh, that's, that's pretty deep, mate. I mean, that, I love that because it's kind of to even have the realization while you're racing, you know, that this is actually a beautiful place to be. You know, I, I feel free right now. Um, I mean, what are some of those stresses that you, 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 you're coping with? Is it the sponsors and that kind of stuff? Or, yeah, I mean, is that a lot? I mean, because you're 25, this is new. A lot of this taking on some of those pressures. Is that yeah, so I'll, yeah, I'll just be totally honest about it. It's, a lot of it is dealing with sponsors, it, mm. and it's in a great way, but it's just this is my first time now that I'm dealing with, with big dog contracts and big dog sponsorships and, and the negotiation and the process, and I'm doing it all without an agent. And so mm. it's just... I've kind of been thrown in the deep end all of a sudden this year and and it's completely amazing and completely exciting at the same time but it's uh just figuring out i mean there's a lot of tactics that go on with with getting the right sponsorships and yeah it's been a lot for me and then you know phone calls <laughs> every day basically and it's just and then damn new, podcast interviews and, 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 <laughs> podcast interviews and, and, and all sorts of stuff and, yeah. and managing the youtube channel and and having the stress of having to race Jan in two weeks. And mm, mm. Um, I just sort of, I guess, felt the weight on my shoulders a little bit as I'm, as I'm adjusting to that and, and learning to deal with it. And so it was, it was nice to just, oh, I know how to race. I've done races. I've, I've won races this year. And, and that was what was familiar to me while like my regular life is what's not familiar right now. So, so who's on your team to help you stay grounded with that and, and, and give you some perspective? Because sometimes it does, you do get caught up and dollar numbers are thrown at you and you, what is my value? What is my worth? I don't know. You know, like what's everyone else getting paid? What, you know, there's all of that that goes on. But do you have a team? I mean, you said you're managing yourself, but are you able to, have you got somebody to share the burden with a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still have a huge team around me. I mean, first and foremost would be both my parents. Mm. Um, it's no secret. I, down the street, I live with them. I live in their basement when I'm here in Boulder and my dad's a businessman. He's a banker. And so he's great with the contracts. He's great with just Okay. common business sense which is negotiation and and all that and then my mom's a therapist so she's there for i guess you know just the comfort and yeah, the yeah. oh man i have to get my mind in the right spot and and all that and then my girlfriend's been great as well and and ryan's been great ryan bolton my yeah. coach yeah. um he has experience as a top athlete and so all of them really and then i mean lots of athletes i'm happy to be connected with ben hoffman heather jackson mm -hmm. um sean waddy watkins has helped me some so yeah, again, it's it's been the same thing, right? I've had to just reach out and say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm used to signing deals for 
for free product and maybe a, a thousand dollar bonus if I win. And, yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden now I'm going to actually be making a living doing this and and I have to figure that out. And, and, so and doesn't it happen quick? It happened. I remember, I can hardly remember being your age and thinking about it. It was basically 25 years ago. I'm W and, and I remember being on the world tour and, and I suddenly was getting a little bit of prize money and, and it was like, what do I do with it? And I have my accountant going, Greg, you better invest it somewhere. You're going to, you know, you want to put it here and you want to do it. I'm like, what, what, what? And it is a little bit, because you're suddenly in it. It's like it Absolutely. suddenly happens. Yeah, and, and that's what's so funny, Greg, because when I won my first race, I thought, oh, everything's going to happen right away. And I thought, oh, I won that first 70.3 in 2019. And I thought, oh, all of a sudden I'm going to have sponsorships and I'm going to feel like I made it and I'm going to feel like I can make a living doing mm -hmm. this. And then nothing happens. And then nothing continues to happen. And then you get used to nothing happening and you go, oh, I'll win these races and I'll, I'll do good things and, you know, nothing will really happen. Small things will happen. And then all of a sudden it's like the momentum builds to a certain point and then your email inbox is full. Every morning you wake up and it's like, whoa, all of a sudden you have to, you're thrown into the deep end and, and have to figure it out. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Well, there's really. a lot on your shoulders now. I mean, I mean, let's skip on to this next part because the Collins Cup, as you mentioned it, I mean, you're the number one. US, you, you're somewhat of almost a, a team leader because we have captains already with, you know, uh, but you, you're coming in as saying, hey, the US have a strong chance of doing this. Now, before you answer that, let me give a quick explanation of what the Collins Cup is for people that don't know. Um, the Collins Cup is basically triathlon's version of the Ryder Cup in golf. So in golf, you have the Europe versus the US. In this version, we have Europe versus the US versus internationals, which is Australian, New Zealand, Canada, everybody else. Um, and what it is, is all match racing, which is quite phenomenal. And what we have is six men, six women in each team. Um, and so we're going to end up with 12 races total where basically three guys are going to race each other, one from Europe, one from US. And the captains are going to choose who you each get to race against. Now, each person that wins a race collects more points if you beat somebody by more than two minutes i think you get an extra half point four minutes an extra point and a minute and a half is six months. so it's a game of chess plus it's a it's a game of picking the best team you can to cover the two kilometer 80 kilometer 18 kilometer but then it's also this who do we line up who do we want to go i mean you're probably one of america's best chances of a win right absolutely now, so do we put you against a Jan Fidino, who at the moment I think we could probably agree has been the best in the world? Uh, yeah, right? absolutely. And, no. and people can argue whether he's the greatest of all time or, or whatever else. He's a phenomenal athlete and a great man. Who do you choose to race for? If, if the captains come to you and say, Sam, who do you choose? Do you go for the definite win or one where you feel like, okay, I can have a good shot? Or do I go against Jan Fidino and try and take him out this time? Yeah, I want to race Jan. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, I don't think he's got too many years left and I'd like nothing more than than the closest seat possible to see how he performs, to see what that true level of performance is like and and to see how close I can get and and to put it all out there and, and say, okay, I mean, if it's a humbling experience, great. Then it's just going to motiv motivate me to work hard. And if I can go out and do something nobody else has done this year or in the last few years even, then uh, it would just, it would put me in history already at 25, which would be amazing. And so, yeah, I, I almost don't feel pressure actually in a way if I were to race him because mm. I'm expected to lose if I race him. Mm. Um, and and I do everything possible not to lose. And it's just like, I don't know, if you go up against a God and beat a God, 
what does that make you almost, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. A quick mini break to remind you of the show's incredible partners. You can get 10% off all Hyperice products using the exclusive Greg Bennett Show discount code GREG21 at checkout. Go to hyperice.com and use code GREG21. A quick reminder to do yourself a favor and sign up to Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens also makes a great gift for any family member or friend. So sign up now and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. If you want to see all your key metrics like pace, distance, stroke rate, and heart rate while you swim, you need the Form Smart Swim Goggles. Go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. That's formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off or you can use code GREG2021 at checkout. If you enjoy a beer but want to keep your clarity, stay on your game, then you have to try Athletic Brewing. I was just simply blown away by how good they taste. Just a true craft beer. Go check them out at athleticbrewing.com. That's athleticbrewing.com. You know what's funny is I look at this now and when they announced this whole thing, you know, two years ago, three, whatever it was, it was like, Team Europe, no one's going to match Europe. No one's going to match them, right? But now, after the COVID year we've had, I feel like the US have actually come out swinging. I feel like with yourself, Rudy, Rudy Vonberg, obviously Ben Knut, just a powerhouse, uh, Matt Hansen, uh, Chris Leiferman, who you mentioned earlier, and Justin Metzler. I mean, that's a solid group of men. And then the women, they've just added Taylor Nib, Katie Zafiris, both Olympic medalists, you know, um, and then obviously a strong list of women, like we mentioned earlier, Heather Jackson, Sky Munch, um, Jackie Herring, and of course, Chelsea Sedaro, who is an interesting one, who's four months, is it four months? She just had a baby four months ago and just incredible athlete turning herself around. That's a powerful team. I, I, I yeah, actually think exciting. the U.S. have something to get to really do well here. What do you think? I completely agree. I mean, I, I think the tide of triathlon is rising again in the United States. And yeah, yeah. It's exciting to see. And, of course, if we looked at Ironman, we couldn't forget about about T.O. and Ben Hoffman. Absolutely. And I even think it would have been cool if they had picked Andy Potts for this team. I yeah, mean, yeah. He's, still, he's still brilliant at 45 years old, I think he is, or 44. Yeah, and yeah I, know, I know Team Europe, I actually sense some complacency in their team. I can just sort of read it already through the post. They, they think they're going to win no matter what, and they, they do. They have the best team, but if well, you go in thinking you're the best team and if you go in thinking you're going to win easily then often that doesn't always end up being the case. And, and I know because I've spoken with pretty much every single one of the Team USA members, we're all fired up about it. We're all mm -hmm. fired up because we have something to prove. I mean, triathlon was started in the United States, and <laughs> frankly, we haven't done much in a long time. Um, I mean, of truly winning an international stage. Um, I mean, of course we did uh, on the Olympics on the women's side. I mean, we got we got the gold medal in 2016, so that was, that yeah. was amazing. But... Um, our ITU guys, I mean, and girls, they're stepping it up too. And the and momentum's there, isn't the it? The momentum's you there. And it's awesome to yeah. see Morgan Pearson too. Oh, and, and Kevin McDowell, uh, and his Kevin race. McDowell, my goodness. Oh, it's just, and, and yeah. Taylor Nib, I mean, yeah. she ripped everyone apart on a road bike yeah, yeah. at 70.3 Boulder. It was awesome. And so, 
yeah, it's an exciting place in the United States right now. I really, I couldn't agree with more with what you say. I feel like in all aspects of the sport, because I've been, you know, this show I've been doing for almost two years now, and there's been some versions in it where I'm like, well, what's going on with the US men? What's going on? And now we're just starting to see this snowball effect with guys like yourself, you know, Kevin McDowell, who I mentioned, and Morgan Pearson leading the ITU. And then they just uh, did incredibly well again on the, the weekend here in Montreal with the team relay. Just now so many names popping up, men and women, that it's a great time to be a part of triathlon, I think, and you coming in somewhat as a team leader or whatever highest ranked in that group. It must feel pretty special. I mean, looking at Team Europe, it is a pretty out – the women's field on paper is outstanding. Yeah, the, uh, the women's field especially is – Yeah. Yeah. It's next level. I mean, we got Daniel Riff, Annie Hug, Lucy Charles Barclay, uh, Holly Lawrence, uh, Katrina Matthews, and now Emma Plant, who's going to be on the show next week. Oh, I mean, awesome. Yeah, that, yeah. We've been swimming together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty powerful. Um, and obviously taking nothing away from the men there. <laughs> I mean, Kona Ironman world champions and 70.3 world champions we have there with Sebastian Kinley and Patrick Langer and and uh, Gustav Eden and Jan Fredino and um, – Joe Skipper, obviously, um, and Daniel Beckergaard. It's pretty. That's a pretty solid team. But I think, I do think the US will have them a good match. What do you? What about the internationals? Have they got? What do you think? When we have a decent team, but have they got the depth there to make it happen? To give you guys a shake? Uh, we'll see about team internationals. Yeah, they've got some some good guys. It's going to be quite exciting to see see the Aussies race mm. and the Kiwis race because because of COVID. The Aussies have only raced themselves for two years, so none of us really know exactly where they stand. And I'm actually not sure they're going to be able to make it out of their country still. But uh, we don't know. Yeah, we I don't know. know. And well, uh, Sam Appleton's over here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Sam, obviously, we know we know where his form is at. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Like Kyle Smith and some of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I still think all the teams are good, and I mean, we've got the best 18 men and women in the world, pretty much here. So, so it's they've done well. Yeah, they, they, the PTO is amazing, and, yeah. and obviously we can have complaints about the PTO, but they're not even really complaints. They're small criticisms of oh, we can how talk can about we make the- this slightly better, and that's the thing I think outsiders don't always understand when when the pros or the people in the sport talk and we say like, oh, the PTO should be doing this or mm. could be doing this. Mm. We're talking of we just want to make it better, but mm. that really all of us think this this organization is amazing for the sport and how they're growing it, and I mean honestly, the money they're putting into it and. I mean, they're they're bringing triathlon into the limelight, and there's no doubt Daytona was by far the best event last year. The coverage was amazing. Everything about that event was amazing. No, I, I couldn't agree more, and it's it's. I think it's really great that the the PTO have stepped up, and I think, you know, every now and then we shake our heads of the point system or how does that work in terms of the rankings and that. But we have some very smart people behind the, the numbers and the math, um, and it's interesting. I, I think also what makes this race unique is that it's. It is. It's it's shorter than a seventy point three. So when you look at Europe and their Ironman champions, exactly. Yep. This is an important point. Yes, and, and then you look at Team US and you watch someone like a Ben Canute just tear up Escape from Alcatraz and win it for the fourth time in the row. The amount of power that guy's has is insane. I'd love a Ben Canute on my team going in here. I mean, the guy's a weapon over that short shorter distance, right? Absolutely. Exactly. And uh, I mean, I know Joe Skipper, so I can say this, but. He's not too much of a threat over 70.3 and, and even shorter. And he, he's not the same at that distance as he is at Ironman. What about Patrick Langer? What do you know about him with the 70.3s? Is he pretty good over that? A little bit hard to say. Mm. Um, I mean, he's certainly better at Ironman, I think. But, mm. 
but we'll see how his short course speed shows up here. And, mm. um, but yeah, I think that's what we see. The, the U.S. team is predominantly 70.3 guys, um, and, and especially specialists. I happen to do Ironman as well and have done pretty well, but Ben Knut and Rudy are are straight up 70.3 specialists, and, <laughs> and we've got that. And of course, we have Daniel Picard on, on Team Europe, I think, I think despite him being a wild card, I think that guy, I mean, he's leading the charge just like me over there. Yeah, yeah. He is He is as real as it gets and as fast what as it gets. What was it, Dubai 70.3 or Abu Dhabi? There was a, one in the earlier. Yeah, was Dubai or. It, he just smoked that, didn't he? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So no, there's, there's it's going to be fun. I, I'm really excited because I got an announcing gig that I'm, I'm very excited. So I'll be flying over there probably around the same time. Yeah, we should check if we're on the same flights. Oh, excellent. Uh, <laughs> but that'll be fun because they've got a, a big announcing team. They've got eight people that they're going to rotate through. So it's not the same. You don't have to listen to Greg Bennett for, you know, eight hours or whatever it is of racing. You can have all these great experts around the world coming in and, and sharing their advice. So I think it's going to be an incredible weekend. So that's in, uh, well, once this show comes out in five days' time. So um, amazing. But what The goal of today for me personally was to really just to – get to know you a little bit more, you know, obviously I've read about you, I've followed your YouTube and I've watched you sort of progress, but I figure let's rewind the clock a little bit here and let's go back to the beginning. You grew up in Boulder, but when did you sort of fall in love with the sport of triathlon and how did that all happen? Yeah, of course. Great question. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, I grew up in Boulder and I didn't know what triathlon was till I was 16. <laughs> Which is like, I don't know, what was I doing? <laughs> I guess I was I was too busy doing every other sport on the planet to to learn about what something called triathlon was. And um I, I never trained seriously as a kid, but I I called it fun and and I look back and I think that was a pretty awesome background to come up in and yeah, my parents introduced me to all the sports. So uh my first love was skiing, was downhill skiing. My parents got me on skis when I was two years old and and that's just what I fell in love with on the winters. And, and we have a house up in Crested Butte, which is, oh, wow. which is just a beautiful place. And it sits yeah. up at 10,000 feet. And so I actually think that was my first introduction to endurance sports because once I became about eight, I would ski from nine till four. Every single day we would go up there. And, and I wouldn't even stop for lunch because I wanted to get as many runs in as possible. And I would do that at 10,000 feet. And it just accumulated this huge, huge love for the outdoors and, and pushing my body and and taught me that I love to be outside. And um, I mean, if I were to put myself through one of those ski days I did back then, I would be sore for a week now. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. I mean, it would be. Says one of the fittest men in the world right now. <laughs> it would be crazy, you know. And, uh, um, and then my, my dad, same thing. He got me into mountain biking up in Crested Butte. And um, I hated riding my mountain bike uphill. All I wanted to do were the fun downhills. So um, as a 10 or 12 year old, uh, I thought the best method to do that was to ride the uphills as fast as possible. So I would just race up all the uphills. And I remember I would drop all my, all my dad's friends who were serious boulder cyclists, you know, they'd race, they'd race cat three or whatever. And I'd be dropping all them. And they were all like, at that point, oh, you got to get into the Tour de France or you got to get this guy on a cycling team or blah, blah, blah. So wow. then I started doing the local hill climbs, but again, no, no real training, okay. just fun. What I called fun. And but after school, I would always go and I would just race up old stage as fast as I could, do wow. it four or five times. Old stage, by the way, how, what percent? It's a brutal climb. Yeah, 10 or 10 percent or so. Yeah, at least, right? I mean, and it, it kind of has a, a bit of a step up. You get a little reprieve and then it's like, oh, go, go, finish it off. Yeah, it's I a mean, tough climb. And I remember I would try and do it like four times after high school. Yeah, I, I mean, I must have been 13 or something. And, and I'd try and do that four times. And 
no coach. I would just come yeah. up with whatever I could do on my own. No power meter, just just the thrill of like, can I make myself hurt or breathe hard? And again, I didn't even know what training was. I just thought training to me, training was the definition of fun. And so I just wanted to get as much as I could. And then I played football. I was actually a big football player, tight end. And Well, you're uh, six foot four. You would have been a fantastic footballer, yeah? Tight end is a great position. For anybody uh, that doesn't know, by the way, can I just ex- excuse yeah, me for yeah, interrupting? No, no. A tight end is if you, not from the US, if you followed rugby, it's probably like a breakaway um, sort of on the side of the scrum. They can play kind of uh, defense or offense. I think they're great. I think it's the best position in football, to be it honest. It is. Oh, you got to do everything. You get yeah. a block, you get a catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to know the offense, all of it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I would play football in the fall and then, um, I also played soccer. So I'd do football practice straight to soccer practice. So I would do two a days and then I would ride my bike in between. I rode my bike everywhere as a kid. Um, in fact, I didn't even get a license till I was 18 because in this town, I thought, why in the world would I want to go through driver's ed? I'll just ride my bike. And so, um, I just loved, I, I actually loved racing my friends. Oh, Hey, let's go meet at you know, Glacier for ice cream or whatever. And I'd say, oh, I'll bike there. I'll beat you there. And so I just, I would race with all my school bags and, and books and everything. And um, wow, it was just the thrill of riding a bike. And, yeah. and for me, a bike was freedom. And for most teenagers, freedom is maybe getting your car and getting your driver's license. <laughs> and for me, it was just biking. Well, I, I love that. I mean, we're talking about you being a teenager. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, you're 25. So it's kind yeah, of, it, it's was, like, it wasn't that, I could still remember. I think it, about right? it. I'm like, hang on, 10 years ago, Oh, I was kind of towards the end of my career then. It's like, wow, you you were just picking up the bike. And it seems to me that you just, like you just described, you, you love being outdoors and you just, it's not training, it's play and it's an escape. Is it still the same now, even at this professional level? Or is there sometimes it feels like work? Yeah, I mean, maybe 10 or 15% of the time it's work, but... I, I try to keep it still play and fun and um, I try to get the right training mates that we can keep it that yeah. way too. And I still, I mean, my favorite thing is still, let's go ride six, seven, eight hours and let's get three <laughs> or four of my buddies and, you know, we can just stop. We can tell stories all day. It's, uh, to me, it's the best way to socialize and, and to see things. And I always laugh at all the tourists, you know, in the fall driving their cars up to Estes Park and stopping and seeing the leaves. And I'm like, I'm doing that tour three days a week. Yeah, yeah, you know, The yeah. tour that people fly out here and sit in their car all day to see, and, and I got to do it by bike. I know. We're, we're pretty fortunate here in Boulder with some of the amazing climbs we have, you know, Big Thompson, Left Hand Canyon, um, the South St. Vrain is one of my favorites. Yeah, Tyler Butterfield was telling me the other day, he's, he was telling me about how you got the Big Thompson loop to some crazy fast time. <laughs> I used to just rip the loop. <laughs> you know, for me, personally for me, it wasn't about, I just wanted to get it done. I think I was, I was a racer and I didn't, I actually didn't enjoy training terribly much. So if I had to do a hundred and whatever, 40K ride or whatever, I just, to go out the door and get it done and and uh, start my clock no warm-up fly down Utica past your house onto Broadway go and um yeah I mean obviously it wasn't the smartest training I never had ne- I wasn't near your level in terms of the power that you can generate on the bike but it was the way I enjoyed training I guess just getting it done and so yeah I used to just fly up Big Thompson or whatever blow right through Estes <laughs> just <Yeah>. keep going <laughs> I'm not stopping for drinks go 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 um it wasn't always smart. If you ask Jan Fredino, he's always shaking his head at the way I trained. But um, I've learned a lot since, and especially because of this podcast, talking to all you guys, it's like, yeah, I could have done things a bit better myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, as time goes on, right, the coaching, I mean, the coaching now at this, oh yeah, it's, it's just so advanced and so methodical. And 
I guess it's fun to just give it to a coach and that way I just kind of do what I say. But I, what I like about Ryan and my coaching program is it's like I don't have to stare at the computer, uh, at the bike computer, I mean, and like, you know, be well aware mm. of what I'm doing every 15 seconds, every single day. Yeah, a lot okay. of it's just, like we said, easy. <clears throat> you learn, oh, easy is somewhat easy, but not super easy. And hard is, let's go hard. This mm. should be painful. This should hurt. And uh, my, my favorite thing on the bike is still maybe how you trained. I like, I love nothing more than, you know, mm. just get right out on the roads and whatever it is, two hour tempo, just do the two hour tempo and get it done. And then, yeah, yeah cruise down from Estes. And then, I mean, my favorite, my favorite, favorite session, which is a crowy se session is just time trialing home from lions, mm -hmm. right up time trial home from lions. Yep. That's, yep. I mean, it's still pretty simple if you want to be good. I was just chatting to Crow yesterday, actually, and <clears throat> he was. Uh, we were talking about some of our favorite workouts. You know, as you get older, you you, you do these remember wins, and and he was saying, yeah, it was always that, you know, time trial home. But he'd go to um, Monarch. Is it Monarch Road? Yep, yep, and Monarch. he'd do his mon mo twelve one mile repeats off the bike, and that was his bread and butter. And he said, I can't get over how many thousands of miles he's probably run there just doing those one mile repeats. So, are you doing that kind of stuff off the bike? Um, Right now off the bike, I'm trying to run a lot of these hills here for St. George. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just off off feel more or less. And then um, I guess with Ryan's training, it's a slightly different because uh, we do our run days Wednesday and Sunday. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, they do more like run days Tuesday, Thursday, and then still Sunday. But yeah. for us, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are ride days. So I'm doing three bigger rides a week. And then those all just have like a four or five mile runoff, which is... Uh, nothing super crazy and then every now and then i mean i'm racing every three weeks right now so yeah. i don't need that many no. i mean i guess on saturday i did you know 13.1 miles straight off the bike at 5 30 pace so i guess that's i guess that's the that's the brick workout to get me ready for collins cup yeah that's done done and dusted i mean that's that's some incredible incredible work stepping back again um you you found the passion for the sport but was there a moment where you decided, actually, I should give this a really good crack? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can remember it as clear as day. And it was right after finishing my first Ironman. So I guess I didn't quite give you the whole story. So um, I then started getting into cross-country running and mm. I quit football. My my football coach actually pulled me over one day after practice and he was like, man, you can run and you never get tired. Uh, our football team sucks, which was true. We lost like every <laughs> single game. <laughs> That's what the coach said. The coach said it to me. He's like, and you work really hard and you've got what it takes and our team just sucks even though you're showing up all the time. And he's like, you should you should go run. You're, you'd are you be a better runner than a football really? player. Really? Oh, what yeah. a great – thank you, coach. What was his name? Uh, his his name was Coach Santino. I, Santino. I can't remember his name. Well, thank you name. for directing uh, Sam into our sport. That's great. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and he lives just up in Dakota Ridge. So oh, I've does. actually yeah. seen him a few times. And, yeah, I did. Uh, a few years ago I saw him and I just said, hey, thank you so much because it, it changed the – trajectory of my life and at that yeah. point i was i was really into football and i mean i was lifting heavy weights five days a week and then in the uh spring i would try and run so i'm doing two completely different things with oh, my yeah. body i'm lifting weights i'm getting up to i mean i was actually heavier as a sophomore in high school than i am now yeah what were you what did you get up to i was then? like one well i'm the same weight so i was like 180 but back yeah, then but you were but i was 16 years old which yeah is, yeah you yeah know, so i was a pretty big boy for 16 and now i weigh 175 so i think 180 is about 80 kilograms. Yeah, so. just over 81, yeah, yeah, yeah. 81 kilos. I just like to convert on this show. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, wow. And then so after that, then what happened? Yeah. You, so, so then I started doing, that was then when I started switching. I would still ski in the winters, but then I started doing track and cross country both seasons. So I started to run 
a little bit more year round. Mm. And then I would do all the road racing in the summer. So I sort of started to be doing two of the sports and then uh, I wanted to run in college my junior year. So I started getting somewhat serious about running, started to, yeah, actually learn what training was and, oh, if you want to be good at something, you need to do it year round. And mm. cause I used to never run in the winter. Um, did you do college here in Bolden? Uh, I did. I went to yeah. see you. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't make the running team. Oh. Um, and here's what happened. My senior year of high school, um, skiing, I jumped off a cliff and I tore my MCL. Oh, I've been training. It was the first year I had trained all year. I trained, you know, from the summer and then I logged my miles all the way through the winter. And then two weeks before the first meet, tore my MCL. Was that, uh, was Rudy Vonberg on that? team or was he this was still high school oh this is high school you did that yeah so, oh, really, so that really affected would have been at college and so then yeah you know i i hadn't met the times needed yet to run in in college and um i mean with the torn mcl i was out for basically the whole season and at that point and this will this will tell you something about my family my dad this was 2014 i'm eight i'm 18 years old my dad said why don't you do iron man boulder as your rehab <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. And, and most kids would say, Dad, shut up. Yeah, what are you yeah, saying? That's yeah. a crazy, crazy, ridiculous idea. And for some reason, I was hooked on it. I had, the race was 15 weeks away. So what year was that? And I was in crutches. This was 2014. Is that the first year of Boulder? Yep, first year. That's the other reason I wanted to do it. He goes, it's your first year. You're graduating high school. Then you're going off to college. Yeah. Why don't you do this as your re rehab and like a rite of passage into adulthood? And I was... I mean, I was so hooked. And most people would say, Dad, that's the craziest thing. I've never even done a triathlon. Um, but I just thought this is the most amazing idea. And I, I mean, I was in crutches at the time. I couldn't do anything. But this idea was born. And maybe it was born because I couldn't do anything. And I just dreamed of like, wow, this would be the most amazing thing. And and that's how it got started. You know, the first thing the first thing you can do is is bike with a knee brace on. So I started doing that on the stationary. And then the next thing you can do is actually swim with a pole buoy. So then swimming was born and then finally you can run. And I mean, I still get goosebumps just thinking about it because that summer then I graduated high school, I was working a full-time job. Um, and so I woke up at like 4.45 every day to start training for this thing. And I would just go out and I would just ride my bike for two hours and then after work. And I was actually working manual labor. I was doing, I was building trails around here. So I'd be in the hot sun all day. And then after I would either go swim or run or sometimes both. Sometimes I'd go to rally at eight at night. And it was just like, all of a sudden this dream and passion was born. And, and then when it got to race week, you know, I started thinking, oh, oh, what are, what are some good times for this? And I just quickly computed what I think I could do. I never ridden 112 miles or done a marathon. I just said, I think I can swim an hour. I think I can bike four hours and 45 minutes. And I can think I can run 3.30. And I said, okay, well, that all adds up to under 9.30. So I said, great, I think I should go under 9.30. And people would ask, and I said, under 9.30. And they go, you know, that's like, really really good for an iron man and i said no it can't be that good the pros I, i've looked at the pros they go eight hours um and anyways i went out and i went 927 and and i won my age group by like it was like 55 minutes oh it's like you were born to do this i mean completely and not only that it's like your parents understand you they know you they know how you tick i think you know yeah, you said totally. your mom's a therapist it. and that but they they kind of knew that that to me is par parental intuition you have it with your kids you can see who they're meant to be to some degree and it was incredible steering from your dad to sort of or your mom as well i guess to point it out that this might be the best avenue for it i mean totally wow. and and it was just amazing and i remember 
because I do remember my my high school self and I was searching a lot and I was trying to find like I just want to be really good at something I, I didn't I didn't care what it would be I could be good at anything and I played the drums a lot then and I would I would play the drums two hours a day and oh I was doing football and I wanted to do something with that and oh I was skiing and oh what can I be something that's like professional and I also I just had this very clear vision of I never wanted to be normal if that makes sense mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and maybe that's coming from a triplet but like I've always felt, oh, I need to do something in my life that's different than the average path. And mm. then finally this Iron Man pops up and it's like, I remember the next, well, I remember I finished and and I just started crying. You know, I went and I found a quiet moment and I just started crying. And I thought to myself, like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And I was like, I have to change anything I'd ever thought. Oh, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I wanted to be a be a personal trainer or a physical therapist and and deal with athletes in some type of a way. But I just thought, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Do, do you think... I mean, there's something there because it resonates. What you're saying really resonates with me as well. Do you think there's something in our DNA which is like just driven to do something great? Do you think it's a DNA level? What What is it? I mean, are you, you're you one of triplets like you just mentioned. Are, you, are, the, are your siblings driven in that same way or is it just you? Or? I think so. I mean, yeah, I think it's if we're competitive, we don't really care what we do. We just mm-hmm. we just need to be the best at it mm-hmm. and um especially as a triplet, like everyone's always comparing and, oh, your brothers are better at this and your brothers are better at this. And it's like, no, I'm going to be better than them at triathlon. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm going to pick one thing. Well, it's actually three things and I'm going to be better than them. Exactly. What, what do they do? Just side, yeah, so side we, tracking. Just like that, we all picked our own path. So one is a musician, one's a, I mean, if you could call it a professional musician. Mm-hmm. And of course. He's now doing music teaching as well. And then one's a, one's a Wall Street banker. Wow. Yeah. Well, your parents have got to be so proud of them. I mean, it sounds like you've had some great parents and um, well done to them because I think that's fantastic to have three different avenues where you're all just pursuing your dreams. I think it's fantastic. Um, mate, what do you think of this beer that we're drinking? It's delicious, yeah, I got to say. Yeah, this it's, is the yeah. um, Athletic Brewing. It's the uh, Hazy IPA. I know I've just started really enjoying these. Anyway. Yeah, it's the best because it actually tastes like real beer. It's like you're having a beer, but you're not having a beer. I, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Can, can drink six a day, <laughs> yeah. every day. Yeah. We, we can actually have a conversation on this show without getting too sidetracked and, and whacked out. I think that's great. So your typical week of training, you've kind of gone through that a little bit. Is it Has it changed much over the years? And, and when did you join Ryan as your coach? And, and was that a dramatic change? Yeah, so... Yeah, my training plan has changed a lot over the years and, and my approach to it as well. And finally now, really last year was when I started to know, like, this is what my body needs and, and this is what works for me. And I started with Ryan about a year before that, but it, it just takes time to figure it mm. all out. And for a while, I coached myself and I mean, I would just talk to people and, and sort of get ideas, but I used to train way too hard. Mm-hmm. Um I used to basically buy into that belief of being a training hero and mm-hmm. and that one amazing day is what gets you ready for a race. And so I would just kill myself. Like I look back at 2018 and I trained substantially harder in 2018 than I do now, even though now I'm, I, I'm a completely different athlete. But my, my run paces and my bike paces would be the same in training, but then I'd show up at a race and go 45 minutes slower than I go now. And so... Yeah, it's been really actually more learning to put the limit on the training rather than like... Interesting. Well, that's what a good coach does. I really think a good coach is not there to motivate. They're actually there to pull the reins in. You know, it's like you want to be a motivated... You need to have a motivated athlete. But what made you choose 
Ryan? Did you interview a few coaches or how did you find Ryan? How did that work out? Yeah, so that, I mean, we can thank Ben Hoffman for that one. Um, ben, uh, uh, one of the shootout, sorry, not the shootout, that's the Tucson ride at the bus, at the bus stop ride. Here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I showed up and I had actually just raced an Ironman five days ago and I was just going to go for an easy spin. But oh, <laughs> lo and behold, I went out at five. I, I, I raced an Ironman five days ago and I was like, I'm going to ride for 30 minutes. So I brought no water. And then the bus stop comes by me on 36 and I'm like, nah, I'm not letting these guys. <laughs> so the bus stop me. ride. So everybody knows what time does it leave about five? Yeah. 505. 505 from, from Broadway and 36 here in Boulder and basically shoots out of town down to Lyons, does a lollipop loop and, and comes back. And it's basically an all out ride. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Unfortunately it's, it's actually gotten a little slower now oh. over the last two years. Um, less of the professionals are going and, and stuff. But back then it was, it was blazing fast and, <laughs> They come past me and I'm like, I'm getting on this thing and I'm and I'm giving it to them. And my legs actually feel pretty good, even though I raced an Ironman five days ago. And um, lo and behold, with like 10K to go, I make a solo break. <laughs> and this is your 30-minute easy ride, right? This is my 30-minute easy ride. I have no nutrition. I have no bottles. And it's like 95 degrees out. Yeah. And, yeah. and I stay away for the whole solo break. Um, and anyways, Ben Hoffman's on that ride and he comes up to me after and he says something like when we all regroup, oh, no water for a two hour ride. <laughs> and I said something like, oh, well, I was only planning on riding 30 minutes easy. And, and actually then the next day he somehow got my number um, or left me a message on Instagram and he said, hey, like I know this is going to be a lot to think about, but I'd love to invite you to come train and stay with me at Tucson and help me get ready for Kona. Good on him. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I get that message from him and I'm like this first year pro and i'm like oh my god ben hoffman i mean the first time i spoke with him on the phone i'm like i mean i'm pooping my pants basically you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nervous i'm like i'm gonna go stay with this guy so anyways i went and i stayed with him for two weeks um and that's really when my training changed to a whole nother level because you see how it, it's one thing to train with a professional a top level professional for one session and you see like oh if it's a hard session you think wow they must train like this all the time and if yeah. it's an easy session you maybe think wow, this guy doesn't train hard at all. But um, when you see them every day, you see how they eat, you, eat, you see how they sleep, you just see how they set up their life. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I got the firsthand viewpoint and Ryan Bolton came and stayed with him as well during that. So we started talking. Brilliant. Um, yeah, and that was, um, that was the, the September of 2018. Unfortunately, that's when Ben got his stress fracture. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was actually there with him, which taught me a whole nother thing about being a professional that you're gonna have setbacks mm -hmm. and, um, when you pour your life into something like at that point, I always thought, oh, if you get injured, it's a somewhat big deal. But what's the big deal? I'll just go party or something like mm -hmm. that's what I thought. But then you see someone who's dedicated a whole year to Kona and they get a stress fracture. And, and it's your livelihood, right? It's I mean, your it's, livelihood. Yeah, and it's yeah. everything. And it's it was so devastating for him. And um, but he was a real, real champion. And instead of being negative, he was like, I'm going to he actually took those two weeks. He got it about halfway through. So there was another week he was like. You know, I, I can't do anything for myself. My season's over, but I basically want to show everything I can to you to make you the best professional possible. And wow. um, yeah, so that changed everything. And, and that's when I started working with Ryan. And um, the importance of mentors is really quite incredible, isn't it? Just to have someone like Ben. And I guess when you get a bit more older, you'll become the guy that reaches out to help some young guy. And, and there's this passing of the torch of the mantle, if you like, with, within the sport. Like the, we, we, everybody gets their turn. And my brother said it to me once. He said, Greg, it's like you get to rent being the best for a moment. 
Totally. Yeah, and, totally. And, and then you pass it over and uh, you don't want to relinquish it. You want to stay there for as long as you can. But it, it's one of the – it is an interesting way of looking at it that we, you, we all try and get there. And, and if we can try and help a young, you know, professional, just give them some guidance, even if they can just see everything that you need to do to become great every kind of professional step. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. Phenomenal. And I think maybe that's because, yeah, unlike football or soccer or any of these other sports, like you don't get selected by some national team or put onto some NCAA football team. Like it's an individual sport. You're on your own. We're all kind of out there just guessing for a while. And then I think it really does take someone from the top level to, to show you, Oh, this is, this is what it's done. And, um, yeah, I mean, I I would probably still have been guessing for a while if, yeah. if he hadn't had done that for me, you know. And then you've also got some other great guys on your team now. Tyler Butterfield, you do a fair oh, bit of yes, training with Tyler. Tyler. Yes, yeah. Tyler is just – and this year he's helped me He's helped me a lot. I mean, um, Tyler's a little different. He coaches himself, <laughs> which is also a great idea. But Tyler is in an incredibly unique position in that I would say he's trained with more of the top professionals than anyone else ever. Because he's trained with everyone, Chris McCormack, yourself, Crowey, like he's literally trained with everyone and he has like a photographic memory of people's sessions. And I mean, just the other day, um, and if Jan listens to this, he might be upset. He goes, oh yeah, I trained with Jan in 2015. And he goes, I like this bike session he did. I'm doing this session today. And I'm like, I mean, it's just amazing. He's yeah. got, he knows all these sessions of different athletes and when they did them and why they did them. And it's like, and so he can just give all sorts of advice with that and um, yeah, and he's still been a huge mentor this year. And I mean, sometimes he sees me and he's like, I mean, right now he's telling me, he's like, you're ahead of the curve. Like, don't kill yourself. He's mm -hmm. like, don't burn the house down. Just keep putting a little bit of wood on and you're going to be fine for St. George, you know? Well, brilliant advice, isn't it? It's like, because we do get excited. You get, oh, I'm here and now I'm going to win everything. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You've got some time. Just keep, um, one of the things I, I've kind of always said to some of the younger athletes is, you know, just try and look for about 10% improvement each year. Yeah, you don't exactly. have to get 50% in one year, just chisel away, you know, and I say at the start of this show, every episode, you know, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. And it's that mindset of the, this is an endurance sport where you just, consistency is the name of the game, right? Just keep turning up, keep, at, like you said, adding a little bit to the fire, but don't Burn the house down. <laughs> Burn the house down. I like that. Yeah, no, that's fantastic, mate. Um, what about, you know, you've said earlier, you know, some of the, the sponsors and things. Who, who have you got now that have signed up? Any new sponsors or anything you can talk about or things uh, still in the works? Still in the works. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you after we get off the air. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Fair, fair enough. But um, you've got some brands behind you already though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got that, some great brands yeah. behind me and – yeah, and I've been lucky enough to have those. I mean, Envy, Envy is my title sponsor for this year, and yeah, they've, yeah. they've really helped me. American Made Wheels, and I'm almost certainly staying staying with them. And they should keep you. Yeah, it's yeah, a good exactly. investment. And yeah, yeah. Actually, a great company is is Miraflora. Um, they're a Boulder yeah. CBD company. I've seen that on your Instagram stories. What is it, Miraflora? Yeah, Miraflora. And yeah. So they have a farm right out where we all run, right out by the Grange on those Stuart yeah. roads. And yeah. that was a product actually I was extremely skeptical about, and like oh, sure, I'll take the money and I may not use it. And yeah. it's actually totally changed my life. Um, just in terms of a recovery standpoint, it's the muscle balm and, and they have these like Epsom salt bath bombs I do like three times a week. And it just helps me sleep and be more relaxed and, and just cool. more of like a wholesome lifestyle. And as opposed to training and having my stress hormones so high, like it just it just bring the, brings those down like five or 10% after training, which is enough to then like 
actually recover. Have you got an affiliate with them? If people can look it up and buy through you or Yeah, yeah, I do. All right, let's uh, let's, let's, I can remember let's do a quick self. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can put it in the show notes too, but if you can remember yeah. it, let well, us know. It's, it's yo 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 20. There we go. Yo 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 20. Yep. Go to Miraflora and it'll get put that in the code to get you 20% off and then I'm sure Sam will get a little kickback there. She'll be helping him out a little bit as well. So that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, good man. And so what else for your health? Are you Have you got a team of uh, bodywork people? Uh, you know, are you using Marcus Mejias as your massage therapist? Is everybody I'm in Boulder? No, I'm not actually. The younger generation um, yeah. hasn't quite gotten in. But I remember, uh, yeah, listening to your podcast actually about a year ago and you said something crazy about the amount you would spend on massage therapy. And yeah. a, a rule I'm trying to take with myself now is like 10% of whatever I make in a year, I'm putting back in myself. So Good whatever man. that is, that way it's like, if I keep getting better, then I can keep allowing myself to it's keep exactly the way to do it. And it's easy to look at it bigger chunks. We used to do for Laura and I combined our combined income. We would do fifteen percent to body work, okay, and fifteen percent to travel, okay. And what that meant was, yeah, for for long trips overseas, we would upgrade to business or whatever, and we wouldn't yeah. wouldn't think about it. You know what I mean? Because it's easy yeah, if you just, just put investing that investing in yourself. Yes, exactly. and, and it's the business of investing in yourself. Sure, you could go invest in the stock market or houses or whatever else, but we invested in ourselves. And I think it, I think in terms of return on investment, it worked out really well to do that. Most of the time, we didn't hit that fifteen percent, but it was nice right. to know it was there if you needed it. So you didn't question if you got to fly to Australia for the World Champs. You don't question doing it right. We still exactly. shopped around and tried to find deals, deals and upgrades and use points and all that nonsense. But um, I'm really glad to hear you doing that. It's a really good professional way to look at it. And yeah, like you exactly. said, that 10% will grow and suddenly it'll be like, okay, I can do this, this you know, yeah, so I mean, much more. Yeah, I mean, a year ago I used to be just way too cheap about massage. Oh, I'd, I, and well, part of it, I didn't have the yeah, money. Yeah, if really you don't have, have the money, money, you can't do it. So I you, mean, have to, you have to be careful in a way, but now it's like, I mean, Boulder Race Week, for example, I've been – I've been training very hard. I only got a six-day taper because I'm training for St. George and Kona and Collins Cup. And mm. I was like, how can I maximize this six-day taper? And I said, I'm, get, I'm getting three massages race week. And I did. Yeah, you know, yeah, I got yeah. three massages. And, and I mean, that cost me $450, you know, for three massages for the, for the week, basically. And I'm kind of going, oh, that's... That's a lot. That's an expensive massage, actually. Yeah. We need to talk. Well, maybe it wasn't quite that. I guess it's 90, so it's 270. Yeah, 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 so yeah. But still. 270. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. That would be an expensive well, massage. I'll, I'll introduce you to some people. Are you, are you getting some dry needling? Are you getting... I've just done it once. I, yeah, an introduction you... would be great. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't well, right across the lake from you, Christine Bell. Um, okay. Literally walk home. She's okay, right, right there. Um, and she's needled all. That dry needling has been amazing. Um, it, it hurts a bit, especially when you're tired. Yeah, and yeah. little pricks, but she's very, very good at it. And uh, so definitely someone – I've got some introductions for okay. you. We've we got to build your team here. Perfect. We gotta, yeah, yeah, there's always yeah. things I can do better. Of course. No, no, no. But funny, the, time I, the only time I dry needled was uh, the week before St. George because I had been training so hard. Mm. I mean, I can remember my right quad was like – completely not letting go up. and i was like okay i gotta do this dry needling and and we saw how that race went so it's yeah uh, and it, the guy I, the only time i could get in was like 10 o'clock at night so i went <laughs> in and did this dry needling at like 10 p.m yeah. um yeah you just you have to invest back in no, yourself yeah. and um as a young athlete i'm still learning all the all the better ways and and to an extent still be building that team around me well your team will build the better you go i mean mark allen when he was on this show i was asking him about his team and he said yeah you know i started out i didn't have anybody it was amazing how everybody wants to jump on board when you start getting better and better right and yeah, and yeah. and that's partly where you are now i mean like i said fourth in the world in the world rankings mate 
pinch yourself? I mean, is this sometimes it's dream, man? I yeah, mean, sometimes yeah. it's uh, yeah, hard to believe actually. Mate, there, there, there was I could go. We could chat for hours because I, I enjoy this. I really do, and I think we'll have you on again in the show, you know, soon. But I have before I let you go, I've got quite a few sort of one-off questions here that I'd like to okay, cover. Okay, perfect. If we could do We've that. been talking for a while, huh? The yeah, we're, 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 it's like an hour 10 in and I uh, sometimes I'm like, I hope I don't mind just sitting and, and chatting, but it does go quick, doesn't it? And uh, Yeah, super quick. People, I mean. people are like, Greg, you, you have these long conversation shows. I said, but a 20-minute half-hour show doesn't do justice to some of the people that I have on. That, that, even an hour and a half with you and I, I, I would love to do three hours if people would be willing to listen because I think we just start to get deeper and deeper and we get to know a bit more about the person. Totally. Well, I'll be honest, that's exactly what I like about your show is you you get to learn a whole different side of the athletes you interview. And mm. it's one thing, if you listen to a 30-minute podcast, which I've done hundreds of, yeah. um, normally you only cover the same questions. Yeah. Um, but when I listen to your podcast of Jan or Sebi or, or all these guys, it's like you get beyond the surface level and you, you can find up ways like, oh, that's what makes that athlete tick or, whoa, he just gave a great piece of advice. And it, I mean, I've gotten mentors from your show and I don't even know if they know it. So yeah. it's been great. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, it means the world to me that you would say that. And for me, I'm just delighted and feel so honored and privileged that you guys would come and chat with me. And and it's I love a conversation and I love how you guys tick. But let, let's do two big questions okay. here. All right, here we go. So what is one tip you have for people on just how to optimize their performance or their life if there's one kind of area that you think you could help? Yeah, my, my biggest tip would be like view triathlon as a lifestyle and not just as a training. Um, and so if you really want to be good at it, like you don't just get your training done and then eat fast food and, and forget about it. Like mm -hmm. if you really want to be good, it's your entire life is built up around it. And I know even if you're an age grouper, you have work and all that, but uh, it's a wholesome and it's an active lifestyle and that's that's ingrained in everything you do and that's that's how you'll be the best. That's a brilliant answer and I, I agree with you. Yeah. Look after you look after your bodies, guys. Reinvest and don't overdo just the one thing of training so hard, right? I mean, exactly. That's brilliant. Um all right, and I like this one because it's always a bit different. If you could sit and have a coffee with one living person, who would it be and why? Oh man. Actually it doesn't have to be a living person. It can just be if you could sit and have a coffee with anybody in the world. Probably George Washington. <laughs> I guess that's just my my that's American a, heritage yeah. coming through. Wow, I like that. I was gonna. I was thinking Julius Caesar, but okay, George Washington. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. All right, now are you up for doing some fifteen just fun rapid fire questions Absolutely. with me? Okay, yeah. this is just to be fun. If you don't know the answer, you can just say pass. All right, start with an easy one. What's your favorite family vacation? Uh, Crested Butte, where I always go. Gosh, that's a beautiful part of the world, isn't it, up there? Love it. Um, all right, here's a good one. Who would you dream of having a head-to-head -head duel with to the finish at the Kona Ironman World Championships? Jan Frodeno. <laughs> I might not get it at Kona, but maybe in two weeks at the college. Yeah, you will. I can't wait. That'll be brilliant. All right, what would you change about yourself if you could? Oh, I wish I could uh, have started swimming a little earlier. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. You've still got plenty of time though. All right. Um, here's one. Out of 10, how cool would you say you are? Oh, uh, six. Yeah, six? Yeah. But you play the drums and you played football and now you're a professional triathlete. Come on. I'm, I mean, I might have been an eight back then and now I'm, <laughs> now I'm down two points. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you've let your drum playing go. Yeah, my biceps have gotten smaller too. <laughs> All right, outside of triathlon, if you could choose to do anything, what would it be? Oh, I think I'd probably want to be a professional skier. Nice. Still a professional athlete though. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've seen you on, on – this is a good one for you because I've seen you do chores on your Instagram posts and stuff. Which would you rather do, wash dishes, mow the lawn, clean the bathroom, or vacuum the house? Do the dishes. I, uh, yeah, I quite I, – I don't know. I like doing the dishes. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, we're only 400 meters away, so you're welcome to come <laughs> up every evening. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, if you uh, – no, here we are. Who would you want to play you in a movie of your life to date? I'd want to have Brad Pitt. Nice. Just yeah. go straight to the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we're subtle, right? <laughs> it was almost like you were ready for that. <laughs> You've thought about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, here's what, – uh, what's a favorite dinner you could prepare? Uh Salmon, rice, broccoli. All right. Okay. Now, if you could have any three guests in the entire world, not including family, who would you invite to that dinner? Ooh. I want to have Sebastian Keenley and Lionel Sanders. Nice. And you got one more. Oh. You can have three. Jan Frodeno too. Let's just throw what, that in. I'll what? just sit there and listen to them. And- <laughs> That's great. I like that. Just your mates, your peers, your mates, all of that. I, I like that. Um, if you could, ha- if you had a time machine, would you travel to the future or back to the past? Uh, I'd go to the future. Uh, yeah, I'd go to the future. Yeah. How far? I don't know. Fifty years. Yeah, <laughs> just enough. Yeah. Just a little taster. Um. <laughs> uh, would you rather be able to speak to speak every language in the world or be able to speak to animals? Speak to animals. Yeah, yeah, me too. Because you can always get an app for talking to everybody else. Okay, this is the most important question of the day. Which decade of music is best? 1970s. Nice. Is there a favorite? Do you have some favorite people out of there? Neil Diamond, John Denver? Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, Led Zeppelin's nice. My, my favorite. Talking Heads, I love. Oh, the, Talking Heads. You're yeah. a man. Yes. Who, I always want to put these musics on my uh, on my Instagram stories and stuff, these artists. And, and I always get messages like, dude, that's not hip anymore. And I'm like, no. this music will always be hip. You know, you know our three-year-old <laughs> daughter, because all we have in the car is I either put it on Talking Heads radio on Pandora yeah. or Neil Diamond radio. And so all she gets is this or, or some Australian bands like In Excess and Hootie Gurus I put on these artists. So now she knows. I'll be. I quiz her all the time. Who's this? And she'll be like, "Talking head, stay up late." Like, Good girl. <laughs> and and, and teaching her well. And she knows the Cars. I think the Cars and Talking Heads are probably two of the best bands to ever come out of the U.S. To be honest, I think they're the most underrated U.S. bands. I think. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, yeah, especially especially for me, the Talking Heads. I just oh, I just love the rhythm and unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, and the singing and and just the whole vocals and yeah. You and I, mate, I've got Talking Heads playing upstairs. This is great. And we, when we're done with this show, we can go up and listen to music together. Um, here's a fun one. Can a ve- vegetarian eat animal crackers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if their morality is okay with it. <laughs> Greatest movie of all time. I... This is not actually the greatest movie of all time, but I love uh, Batman: The Dark Knight. Nice, that's yeah, all right. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just the Joker. The acting in it is amazing. Yeah, um, 
Either that or The Gladiator. I love The oh, Gladiator, yeah, Gladiator too. It's a great movie. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, if you won $100 million in the lottery, how would you spend it? Oh, I would probably, I, I would just keep doing what I'm doing every day, to be honest. Um, I guess I would invest it and, <laughs> and create wealth for the kids. And, maybe I, I would have no sponsors at all and just keep raising yeah, triathlon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody else to tell me how to be or what to do. I like that. Um, all right, mate, this has been brilliant. What's next for you? What do you got coming up? Collins Cup, 70.3 yep. Worlds, Kona, and then that's it. You have a break or you're going to do yeah, something? Yeah, I mean, we'll see if I can get a podium at Kona, top yeah. three, and qualify for Kona the following year. Yeah, yeah. I'll be done. Um, Otherwise, that's maybe probably a stretch. Otherwise, I'll probably try and get the Kona qualification done before the end of the year. Well, you've got a big championship season is here, everybody. Yeah, oh, it's it's the time of the year for, for triathlon to be, you know, to be a fan and to be an athlete. And, it's, and Sam it's Long, so I feel exciting. like you're hitting your straps right at the right time, mate. You, you're doing everything right you seem like in a good headspace you've got a good team around you yeah it's, um, it's all coming together and yeah so, uh yeah i can't wait to see what i did i mean in in nice in 2019 i it was my first world championships as a professional and i did atrocious i did absolutely terrible and um i actually hung up the poster in my wall to remind me of what it takes to perform at the top level. So I don't look at that poster and say like, oh, wow, that was so great. I look at that poster every morning, just right as I walk out of my door and it for two years and it's to remind me like, if you wanna be a world-class athlete, get to work. <laughs> Stay consistent, do the right work. Yep. And so hopefully now I can put up another poster and at least be somewhat better than 34th place or whatever, <laughs> whatever lousy position I was. <laughs> well, Sam, I can't thank you enough, mate spending your recovery day coming up the road here and sitting and just chatting with me and just your journey and your stories. And I feel like we're just at the start of it. So I hope you can become a regular on my show because I think we're going to need you as a regular because I think there's a lot of great performances coming in your future. So, mate, really appreciate you coming up and sharing it all. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it again, Greg. Yeah, that was fantastic. And, and look, everybody, thank you all for listening um, and all sharing the show and all your feedback. And you can find all the timestamps and coupon codes and show notes and everything at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. All right, Sam. Thanks, mate. That was fantastic. All right. Cheers. We'll finish the beers up on our own. All right. Cheers, mate. <laughs> thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon. <laughs>